Richards trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Score! Uh, let's get it. Oh my god! Here we go, here we go. You're listening to the Country Blues Podcast. With your hosts, Derek. How are you going to get it, Bobby? John. Matt Casey. Unnecessary, but totally necessary. And Cody. What's not to love? What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek. And I'm John. What's going on, everybody? And we are joined, as always, by our man, Hoagie. What's happening, brother? Derek, I'm going to have to uh, edit you right right there real quick. Your favorite Pod Street Bully, Pat Copeland. Hey, Get over Hoagie. yourself. Get over <laughs> yourself. Oh. Hoagie, how many burner accounts do you have? I have zero, and I will confirm that. Sorry, that was early. <laughs> We're a minute and 15 early. seconds in. <laughs> oh, Lord. There's Hoagie's one for the episode. Uh, we are Matt Casey-less. Matt Casey decided to pull a John and uh, not join us this week. So uh, it's the trio this week, but uh, nonetheless, we'll still have plenty to talk about uh, now that Flyers hockey is back. Can Real confirm. Quick. John has a, a story or a rant, if you will. I do. I, I actually have some groundbreaking news to put on you right now. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. So I don't know, know whether I should be like excited or like worried. <laughs> so you know this whole thing that I've been telling you about Viceroy Estates and the Neighborhood Watch? Oh, God. <laughs> this is going to be good. So oh, yeah. signs everywhere in my neighborhood. I if you if you're new to the show, I just moved into this new neighborhood called Viceroy Estates, and apparently that we have a neighborhood watch. There's signs everywhere. It's like we are watching you, neighborhood watch. La 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 la. Just found out it's fake. <laughs> apparently, there's no neighborhood watch. So I Scare guess tactic. there's a there, yeah. Apparently, there's a house with some people who are unwanted here. Like there's a. Like a gang house, I guess. They like sell crack out of there or whatever. AV comes in every once in a while and gets a shipment. <laughs> oh, every once in a while you can find Casey there too. But <laughs> they didn't like the fact that they were here. So they decided to put up all these signs that said there was a neighborhood watch. Like apparently there was like a Viceroy Estates town meeting to cause the <laughs> neighborhood watch hoax. So, like, this entire thing going on with all these fancy signs that say we're watching you is a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Like, on one hand, it's genius. On the other hand, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Like, if you're going to go through all that trouble, like, at least, I mean, put a few troops on the ground, man. Like, let's do it. (laughs) Oh, God. I don't know. I just had to share that with everybody. Interesting tidbit there. Yeah, so now if anybody wants to come and break in here, the uh, neighborhood watch is a hoax. So you're good. And now that everybody knows you live in Viceroy Estates, uh, right. it's much more doable than it was beforehand. But <laughs> yeah, right. well, I'll be down there uh, next weekend, so I'll uh, be sure right. to yeah. break in. Well, seeing that we have six listeners, I'll be able to narrow it down pretty easily if you know somebody <laughs> breaks in. i got to pick up my shipment anyway, so I'm sure I'll be up there in the next week or so. Um <laughs> Right. <laughs> but uh, so all, all good talk about uh 
crack dens and uh, all that other good stuff aside, you know, we have uh, we have some hockey to talk about once again with uh, the Flyers starting the season off uh, Friday night against Vancouver. Uh, didn't turn out the way we all wanted it to, but there were signs of life, which was good. Uh, I'm going to kick it over to you, John. This is going to be more of a roundtable discussion here. Uh, no real points to make, you know. Just uh, let's have a discussion. What do you see? What do you like? What don't you like? Uh, let's talk a little bit here. All right, yeah, I mean, for me, the first period was really good. <laughs> you know, this is a team that we typically hate their how they start games, and I, I was really impressed with the first period. There was a lot that I liked, especially seeing Ryan Ellis – um, handle the puck in the defensive zone, kind of controlling it and exiting the defensive zone without doing one of those stupid stretch passes that seem to bite us in the ass all the time. I was prematurely excited because of the performance that we gave in the first period. And I guess I'd just kind of start with there. Start there, not start with there. Let's start with, with that, if you will. Good launching point. I mean, think about it. Last year, how many times were we on the show bitching and moaning about every stretch pass just like the ones that worked out great the ones that didn't were much more frequent than the ones that did and it's like jesus christ guys like come on we we just seemed like a team that knew what we were doing which was something we didn't see last year and it was promising oh absolutely what do you have to say about that hoagie that first period was a first period that is just not usual to us Flyers fans like us coming out hot and controlling the play controlling the puck and just just you know controlling the entire period it was just unknown and like we scored that 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 first uh goal and it was just like all right the Flyers are here and they're ready to play so I was I was super excited Hart looked good in the first period and then We'll get, we'll get on to the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, all good points. I mean, first period was impressive. It was nice to see a team come out and, you know, want the game uh, as much as the fans wanted it too. You know, the, the Flyers played really well in that first period, uh, heading into the second with a one nothing lead. Uh, it would have been nice, obviously, to get another couple. Uh, but, you know, then we enter the second period. Maybe we could break this down period by period. But, like, they give up four second period goals. To a Vancouver Canucks team that, you know, it's kind of like, what in the world? I just don't, I, I don't know where to go from here. So, Hoagie, you, you take over. Like, what did you see in the fourth period? The fourth one? And not the fourth period. The four goals in the second period. God, wow. this is how frustrated I am. The fourth period, quick. Well, the fourth period was overtime, but. <laughs> the second period with all these four goals. Vancouver seemed to figure Carter Hart out, and our defense. They uh, they attacked the 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 angle on Carter Hart. They would get down low behind the low beyond the dot and just rip a shot, and would hope it just would deflect. And our defense wasn't cutting them off, and Carter Hart wasn't hugging the post quite near enough. So that's got to be corrected real quick. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The the one thing that really got to me was the first goal, oh, high glove side. That was yep. that was the one thing last year that I felt like we saw time after time, teams going high glove side on Carter Hart, and he had no answer for it. So right then and there, I you know for me at least, I was like, Jesus Christ, like you got to be kidding me. Um, 
you know, something you expected him to work on, which obviously, let's be honest, he, I'm sure he did. But regardless, John, your takeaways from that too. Well, I mean, again, I don't know how you, you know, talk about the second period without talking about Carter Hart's performance. And to go back to that shot, Derek, the high glove side, like that was an easy read of a shot. The mm-hmm. angle was not, you know, out of the ordinary. It was clear where he was shooting the puck. Great shot, but Carter Hart has to stop those. And is it the first game? Yes. Will there be improvements? Yes. But throughout the year, I can't keep using these fluky bounces. You know, that's a shot that just won't happen time, you know, time and again for Carter Hart. Eventually, we have to hold him accountable. At some point, this guy has to step up and be the savior we want him to be. Mm-hmm. And number there were right the number one goaltender and not the fringe number one goaltender. He has to solidify his role. And there were just a few saves there he had to make and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, think, the one that comes to mind, the biggest one that comes to mind, is that one that he didn't correctly seal off that right side of the net. Right. You know, his right, right. side. So, I mean, you could say that, yeah, it was on Hart or what was it? Sandheim should have done a better job of tying up the stick in front. Um, fact remains that puck sat there on the goal line, didn't ice it, you know, and it went in the back of the net. And it sucks, man, seeing like seeing goals like that. Um, you know, just other fluky ones, other just honestly shouldn't have ever gone in. But like we saw the Carter Hart from last year in the second period and it was that subtle reminder, and everybody started kind of clenching their you-know-what's a little tighter. We're like, oh, shit, you know? So, you know, we move on to the third period. Uh, Flyers, what, down 4-2? But then we see the life. We see this team come back. We see this team, you know, play with the desire we wanted them to. Um, that first goal to make it 4-3, you know, fantastic goal. That second goal that Claude Giroux put in was god like right. let's let's talk about that because that's uh, that play in and of its own I feel like we could talk about for 15 minutes just the beauty of it. Well, Je- let's let's talk about the beginning of the third period. It wasn't it wasn't as what we thought it would be. They came mm-hmm. up really slow to what we're used to be. They right. turned it on in the last 5 minutes of the game when they said, "Oh crap, we're back in regular season hockey." <laughs> <laughs> well, well that's the problem with this team, right? For me, I mean, you know, obviously you look into last year and all the problems, but it's like there's never consistency. There's never this and I understand a full 60 is a fluke. I completely get that that's not a real thing. But this idea that it's like, well, two minutes left all of a sudden we look like we're ready to play to tie this game like could we just show a little bit more urgency in the beginning of the third period I, right. you know there's got to be a little bit more willingness to win that this team just doesn't show throughout a game mm-hmm. and again right. i know we're talking one game this season but it's, you know <laughs> it's it's a follow-through from last season right <laughs> Yeah. You just can't turn it on for long enough. Yeah, think about it. I mean, the biggest complaint last year was not playing a full 60 minutes. And right. we saw that in spades this first game. You know, yeah, the last, what was it, four minutes total probably. Fantastic. Uh, you right. know, but it's another case of too little too late. You know, they did enough to get that loser point. Um, but, that you know, then you get to overtime and, well, we'll wait to get to overtime here for a second. But let's talk about Giroux's goal like we wanted to here real quick. That, uh, I've got a million things I could say about this. But say it. Just say it, man. 
It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Just the setup from Couturier, hitting that off the boards at the perfect angle, Giroud calling exactly for that type of pass, and then banking it off of Demko's, you know, left uh, left rib cage. It looked like. I mean, armpit. Yeah, armpit. You could call it that too. Uh, my anatomy classes weren't kind to me, but um, just that's the type of play. Like, how many times do you hear like, "Oh, Sidney Crosby with the pinpoint accuracy, banking it off this guy's shoulder or his back or whatever." Like, that shows you a glimpse into just how good Claude Giroux is. You know, I, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you, "Oh my God, one of the greatest hockey players of all time," but damn, is he good? You know, like there's. There's a, oh, don't worry. I'm sure there's somebody else in the Flyers media that'll tell you that, so we're all good. That's a loose term if you want to call it media. Um, True. But regardless, no. no. The balls. But, <laughs> but uh, they, it's, man, it, it was just so awesome to see because Giroux still has that killer instinct. Like, that's something yeah. that was never really, I, it, it was in question. But, like, at the same rate, he shows it, and we know he's got it. It's just a matter of being able to turn it on. Um, right. And the feed from Couturier, again, fantastic. But that's uh, my million little things to say about that. <laughs> well, Derek, honestly, though, like, of all the players on the team to score that goal, that's who needed to score that goal. Mm-hmm. So that's who we needed to see score that goal. The team captain, the one who doesn't have a contract next year, the one whose leadership is always put in question. He's the one who has to tie this game while it's dwindling. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. Absolutely. Hoagie. Your thoughts, man. Let's uh let's not forget about Joel Farabee. He he's the one that set up that goal. He's the one that fought that icing to the line. <clears throat> and I tweeted about it. I was like, this icing is important. If they can set this up and set and do something in the offensive zone, it'll be something. And what happened? They freaking tie the game. And it was huge. And I, I just went nuts. <laughs> yeah, I should have prefaced this episode by saying my apologies to our Twitter followers. Uh, Hoagie is the one tweeting during the games now. So, Dude, uh, he, what, he didn't even have the keys to the castle for two minutes. And he's like, let me send out the most divisive tweet I could among the bot, bot pupils. Hey, vote for who's the best right now. Yeah. Somebody needed an ego boost quick, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, you should be a politician, Hoagie. You should Yo, be a politician. You just got married like a week ago. Your your ego should be sky high. Save that tweet for a little bit later, all right? <laughs> I was just excited just to get the keys to the account. I was so I was so <laughs> John and I, I were about, texting. John texted I was like, me. Change the password right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. His wife was like, this was a mistake. This was a terrible mistake. <laughs> I showed her the screenshot. I was like, why? Why is this happening right now? <laughs> like, on one hand, I'm like, it's kind of long overdue. You know, he's part of it and everything's good. And then on the other hand, I'm like, what did we just do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no. So, let's talk about the overtime. So let's talk about yes. overtime. Uh, yes. Always fun. Love three-on-three overtime so much that I wish it wasn't just five minutes. And I'm sure you guys share that same uh, that yep. same thought. But my main gripe, and I'm sure it's your guys' gripe as well. What in the hell was going through Travis Sanheim's mind when there was about, I want to say, six or seven seconds left. He was about to take it into the offensive zone, and he peeled back and thus forcing a skills competition to determine the outcome of this game. What 
the you-know-what was he doing? Well, well, do you mind if I take this, Hoagie, and run Go with ahead. it? Go ahead. I have very strong feelings about Travis Sanheim in this first game. First of all, I think he sucked for most of it. Um, but this was a player who was more worried about making a mistake than making a difference. Right. This guy, now granted, listen, he didn't have a lot of time, but still, you at least make the attempt to win it in overtime, especially knowing our history with the shootouts. And once he had that puck on his stick, he was like, I just don't want to be under the spotlight and screw up. So let me just peel it back. Let's take it to a shootout. And that is not the kind of player that we need. That is the kind of player that we are trying to escape from right now. You know, I think Chuck Fletcher did a great job getting rid of these players that are like hot potato with the puck. Like, I don't want to shoot somebody else. Let's do it. But you still have players like Sandheim where it's and, and maybe I'm going too far with this. But to me, it was clear. It was more. I don't want to screw up. And that's more important than potentially winning this game with six seconds left. Well put. Well put. Hoagie, what are your thoughts, man? You know who wouldn't have done that? <laughs> I'm Provorov. Shane Goss better. He oh, would have skated that puck in and, yep. and done whatever he could have to try to do it within those last 10, 15 seconds, regardless of the consequences. He would have tried to do it. Yep. time went through so much shellacking last year for his play that he doesn't – he's not confident in his skill. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like – Gosses Bear would have, would have, he wouldn't have cared. He would have just tried. And it, uh, I, I almost sent out a tweet that last minute of overtime. I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Like, what are you doing with the puck? But I will have to give props to, I think it was what, Lindblom and Lawton, who mm-hmm. played what, a minute and, and a half? And, and oh, Ellis, yeah. right, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a minute and a half of freaking right. ice time in the overtime, and they didn't score on them. Right. I got Awesome. They saved the game right there because they were dog tired. They, How you could that even happen? Oh my god! Keep away. Vancouver just had possession of that puck and was not relinquishing it. And I mean, props to them for that. But sure. god damn it, was that frustrating? Props, props to the Flyers for sticking into it, though. They mm-hmm. they were doing their darndest to try to get that puck out of the zone, but they were also mm-hmm. keeping them way outside so they would so they wouldn't have a shot on net. Mm-hmm. And well, Hart did a problem. fantastic job too. Honestly, in overtime, I thought Hart played really yeah. well. Hart stood on his head in those last those last five and a half minutes, including regular uh, regular time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of the problem with it being only five minutes too. It's like if you end up having to get into that like penalty kill mode, which like I understand it was even strength, but like you look the Flyers, they were dog tired. It was just like let's not let's just make sure this puck does not wind up in the goal. You. A minute and a half is a long time with five minutes. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, you know, constant that's, motion. That's, that's over a fifth for you mathematicians out there. That's that's <laughs> men's like hockey shoes. That's right. what I every Monday night, and it's dog tired. But, I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and then once this game goes to a shootout, you just know it's not happening. It's just mm. like, all right, can I just turn this off? because I'd rather go to bed and wake up tomorrow knowing that they lost in a shootout than watching it. Mm-hmm. You asked me this two years ago, though, and my confidence in heart 
I would have said I think the Flyers have a pretty decent shot at winning that shootout. Now, I, I just, you know, we've talked about it multiple times. That feeling that you used to get when anybody had a quality scoring opportunity on a guy like Mason, on a guy like Nuvi, you know, you had that little pit in your stomach that you're like, oh, man, like this isn't good. I'm, yeah. I'm getting that back again, and I don't like it. So Oof. that brings up an interesting conversation. And Derek, I'm going to ask you first, where is your confidence level with Carter Hart? Dude, I and couldn't don't even be tell afraid you. to be dramatic right now. No. Like, I understand it's one game, but, like, just go. Yeah. Like, like, yes, I'm concerned. I'm absolutely concerned. Like, because he's not playing where we want him to play. Like, do I have faith in him that he can turn things around 100%? And it is just one game. But, like, I need to see it. I need to see him turn that corner and get back to the goalie that he was who won us that series against Montreal and then ended up keeping us in the series against the Islanders when they made the playoffs. I need to see that Carter Hart again before I can say that I'm 100% confident that he'll be okay. But like, again, you know, you want to, you want the politician's answer. Like, I think he will be okay. And I think everything's going to work out. It's just, you know, right now we're going through a rough patch. And it sucks. It's It sucks. There's no two ways about it. But, yeah. you know, there is reason for concern because we haven't seen him really round that corner just yet. And, uh, you know, anybody who is concerned is absolutely within reason to be. It's just, you know, the, the jackasses that are going to act like the sky is falling right now. Like, it's not. You know, it, right. it's okay. But, you know, things like this keep up. That's when I'm really gonna be concerned. Like, Sandwich, what, what say you? Listen, it was game one of an 82 game season. Yes, the concern is there, but we also didn't really see much of a sample size from Hart in the preseason. Right. Mm-hmm. We saw Martin Jones and we saw the other, you know, AHL goalies kind of taking the taking the net mount. So. Yeah, the, the the concern's there, but I think, you know, given you give him more starts and more more starting or more uh ice time, he'll he'll start to groove and start to get back in it. That third period that he was in, they they were all over him. Right. The entire period until the last five minutes where the Flyers were like, Oh we're back in regular season hockey, we we should probably start, you know, putting the puck in the net. So I, I'm not concerned whatsoever. I think he, you know, he's got some kinks to work out. As as the team does as well. The te- the the entire defense wasn't there what we thought was going to be there. So right. I think I think the entire team still has to you know mesh and groove together for Carter Hart to be um to be confident in his play. Right. I have two concerns. One of them is the exhausted narrative that Carter Hart is a goalie who gets inside his own head. I I still am worried about that because I still do think that it exists, and I don't think it's ever anything that we will be privy to, but until I'm proven otherwise where this guy just turns into a stone-cold killer, you know, and it seems like every pressured situation never bothers him, I think that will always be in the back of my mind. But my bigger concern is if if he has a subpar year, we've got Tom Jones backing him up. I'm sorry for stealing your stick there. That's all right. No, like that's my biggest problem where it's like if Carter Hart doesn't play well, our plan B 
is e- even more on shaky footing. Like this guy hasn't stopped the beach ball since Nam. I, I like I don't know what to do with this guy. So I think it's it's more that that's got me hyped up as far as concerned is that if Carter Hart ever gets on shaky footing, our backup option I, isn't any more stable. Well, I mean, right. we we were all concerned about the backup option when we signed him. Right. Let's like it, and he didn't prove anything during preseason. So, How do you? I mean, you know, like, right. you know, and I don't know, like the other guy that I think we were all hot high on with uh, being a prospect is Ustamenko. He's going to be back in the ECHL. So. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that, too. There's the injury to that, too, though. Like, I can understand why. But, I mean, it's a luxury of riches, or a rich luxury, however you want to call it. Having quality prospects that, uh, you know, you don't know what to do with. You can only ice two guys, you know, in the the AHL. But, hey, you know. We've got Carlton's idol backing up up Carter Hart. Oh, boy. What a time to be alive. Um (laughs) No, dude, absolutely right. You know, that's, I think, what scares me the most, too, is that, yeah, if Carter doesn't get this figured out, man, we're not much better off, you know, with with Martin Jones. Uh, Right. That scares me. And, uh, you know, we made all these moves in claiming, you know, Zach Magoo, Zach Magoo, um, and then, you know, who's the other guy? Pat Brown. We have, like, $100 in cap space right now. Like, there's nothing we could do. Nothing, like, unless we shed some cap, and I don't know how we're going to end up doing that. It's like you spend all this time claiming these guys. Like, sign a better backup. <laughs> it's right. as simple as that. Who gives a shit about those guys? Like, sign a better backup initially. <laughs> Freaking <laughs> Fletcher can't even go buy a six-pack of independent brew right, right now with the amount of cap space he's got. <laughs> $130 probably doesn't even cover his cell phone bill just for him. Right. Like, <laughs> right. like, sorry, pal. Like your service is being terminated. <laughs> Good God! Oh, but no. I mean, overall, grand scheme of things, uh, wrapping things up with the game here. Uh, you know, good, bad, indifferent. Yeah. How are you feeling? Uh, obviously, it's only one game, but uh, outlook for uh, the game against the Kraken here Monday night, John. So listen, we got a point in our last game. To me, that's the most important thing, right? Get something out of it. It's the most early. important thing. The most important thing. I was hoping nobody <laughs> caught that. I don't, I don't know what happened there. The most important oh. thing. It's most, um, it's I took it as a pun. Thing. Like, we got one point. It was important, you know? Oh, <laughs> shit. Damn it. Yeah, I guess that would have worked, too. The most important thing. Anyway, Dave Haxall coming back to town, though? You got to romp him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. This has to be like a five-to-one shellacking. They're just... You know, and I, I get it. A lot of these people weren't even here when Hackstall was around. But this this can't be a close game. This can't be a loss in overtime. This just has to be a thumping. And the Kraken's roster, this should be a thumping. I want this to be the Herb Brooks treatment. Every time the Flyers score, A.V. just looks at him and goes, again. <laughs> like that. That's what I want. <laughs> what do you think, Hoagie? No, I'm... I'm and- I'm in the same boat as John. I said this on the five-minute major with uh, Dave and Matt last week. I think, you know, Dave Haxtell lost in the door, and I, I hope he hangs his head as he walks out this door of the Wells Fargo Center. They need to uh, – Giroux, Couturier, and the rest of them just need to say, hey, 
we don't we didn't like you so get going mm-hmm. so i at least at least they got their first one under them in nashville so you know we're not coming into an own two kraken in philadelphia and right. <laughs> you know having hacks we know how that goes mm-hmm. we know how that goes exactly mm-hmm. so i hope you know drew and katurian and profile just say hey there's a door have a right. good time i hope he's I'll leaving bell scores the hat trick oh god exactly that'd be nice <laughs> I hope he's as dejected leaving the Wells Fargo Center on Monday night as he was when they booted him out of the franchise. Like, the the, the second time they fired him, because the first time apparently there was some sort of uh, report that, you know, got out and it didn't happen and everybody got our hopes up that Quenville was coming to town. But neither here nor there. Don't you question, don't you question their integrity. I, I'm not questioning question, their integrity. I'm question, just questioning everything else. Um, the sources. Don't, don't, no. <laughs> I have sources, right. guys. I have sources. Let me tell you. Um, no, I'm not the one with sources, Christ. Um, even if I did, I'd probably not blurt anything out about it. But regardless... Um, I'm scared. The only one with sources is not on the podcast tonight. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt Casey and his golfing buddies. Uh, but anyways... <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's talk about another interesting tidbit here uh that has to do with surprise Morgan Frost um their game against Hershey uh this uh Sunday night there was uh if I read correctly and if I remember correctly there was a six on three at the end of the game with the goalie pulled and your boy Morgan Frost was not out on the ice so Common sense should tell you, a guy like Morgan Frost, who's as skilled as he is, you'd think he'd be on the ice for an opportunity like that. Um, Hoagie, I want to kick it to you first on your thoughts, because I know John has a lot to say about this, and I want to give him ample time to do so. So, Hoagie, what are you thinking? I didn't even know about this. Oh, my God. (laughs) Are you kidding me right now? So, I'm trying to pull this this up. the rundown <laughs> it was no, like i wasn't on the rundown this happened, no. I, I mean what an hour ago maybe oh yeah oh an hour ago i was from gillette stadium to my house like come on now so uh, so just what are your additional thoughts then it's like just hearing so laperriere said he quote i want more out of him he's one of my leaders one of the guys i've been relying on to create offense but he has to play better defense to create that offense direct quote uh from tony Androkidis, uh who was at the press conference after the game he continued and said quote that's part of becoming a pro and growing up as a pro he needs to learn that's pretty much it okay just that there if he's a leader put him out there on a six on three at the end of the game are you kidding me right now <laughs> newlywed ah oh, trouble in paradise come on why, she's poking too right why are you getting imagine. so fired up man <laughs> she's just not if you have a if you have a kid are you gonna name him sub like submarine absolutely not sub hoagie sub hoagie <laughs> All right, anyway. Take it away. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's a lot to unpack here, right? Before this game, who was it? The guy who just uh, had his first NHL start with the Flyers. I can't even remember his Roman. name. Max Roman. 
Max Wellman. McCracken, I don't know. I don't know why where that came from. That's the guy that Hoagie told us it was freaking Matt Millman. Matt Millman? Yeah, you dick. What? Thanks a lot, Hoagie. Yeah. Like, you said Matt it was... Millman's getting the, getting the Mason, start. We're Mason like... Millman. You said Mason, Mason Millman. Millman. And I Mason went into... Millman's getting the start. Went into the high and wide chat, and I'm like, Mason Millman? What the hell? And everybody's like, you mean Max Wellman? I'm like, wow, thanks a lot, Hoagie. You're killing, wow, you're wow. killing the cred, you know? You know? Yeah, just, just shoot me. So <laughs> when Heat was kind of coming back, coming out and, you know, talking about his back and forth and staying in Philadelphia and staying within the area, a lot of people were like, well, when Morgan Frost rehabbed, right? he went back home and the flyers weren't happy with that. And they were starting to kind of like stoke the flames of this uh, frost and the organization or button heads. Right. So I think that you take that crap, right. And then you put it with this, where all of a sudden Morgan frost isn't out in the most important situation for the phantoms. And you're going up. There's an issue here, either frost or the organization is pissed off. They're, they're not happy. Um, I have information from somebody that I feel pretty confident in his his answer. I'm not going to say who it is at this point in time. Sources. But I have information from somebody that says that it is not that. That the Philadelphia Flyers organization right now is trying to help Morgan Frost build up his confidence from missing a lot of games, right, not playing a lot of hockey, from being demoted that they want to put him in positions to succeed now whether or not we agree that this should have been a position that he's in to build confidence for success is a completely different conversation that we could have in about two seconds but it was more setting him up for success down the road than we don't trust you because what i've said over and over and over again is the ahl is not about wins when it is young players, it is about player development. And when it comes to Frost, right, he is your pride and joy right now. He is your prize. If Ian LaPerriere can turn him into the player we're all hoping he is, boom, he's done, he, he's done his job and then some. So if he didn't feel like he was in, that this was not the best situation for him to be in right now, then you don't put him in there. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I didn't watch the game. From, from what I've read, Morgan Frost was also having a pretty crappy game. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to teach him a lesson as well, that it's like just because you're our pride and joy doesn't mean I'm just going to put you in these situations if you've been sucking all game. Then to all what right, you say right. about it being about player development, like that makes complete sense because that's part of developing somebody as a player. If you're not having a good game, you're not going to get into those key situations like you would expect. But... Again, right. you know, and we disagree on this a bit because I still feel like the AHL is a competitive league that, you know, they do worry about wins and losses, obviously, like any other sure. pro league. So, like, if if LaPerriere is down there to win games as opposed to developing players, which, you know, take that for what it's worth, he would have put Morgan Frost in that situation because he's arguably their best offensive forward that they have. Right. So it raises questions to me because now it's like, I I just, it's a puzzling move. It's a huge puzzling move that I just don't understand. It's just too big to grasp for me. Yeah, I'm, to be honest with you, and, and Hoagie, I'm just ignoring you because I, I don't even know what's happening right now. So I'm just going to keep talking. Um, 
But for me, it's more of a questionable move on the Perrier's part. I think that we were all a little concerned when this guy took over the head job in Lehigh Valley, where it's almost like, what are you doing, man? Like, I, I don't care that Morgan Frost is stunk all game. Like, if, if you want to win, right, or if you want to put this guy in a potential a potential situation for success, you put him on the six on three. Is this like to me? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish your point. No, no. I just think like to me, this is more of a poor coaching decision than anything that has to do with Morgan Frost. Is it a poor right. coaching decision? And I'll go to you, Hoagie. I want to get your thoughts on this. Is it that poor coaching decision, or is this, for lack of a better term, is this like a dick swinging contest where Perrier is like, I'm the coach. I make the decisions. This is uh, this is what I'm going to do, and you're just going to deal with it. That's that's kind of where I'm stuck is like who who's putting Le Perrier as like you know where do you see where do you see Frost is like if he can be a game changer or not like if he's your best player you should put him out there regardless of the type of game he's having and Derek to answer your question I I feel like it is like a dick swinging contest like Le Perrier wants to be the head coach of the Phantoms and he wants to make his make his statement on this team. Like, if he's not having a bad game, he's going to put somebody else out there, which mm-hmm. is kind of crappy because, you know, that's just going to further deflate uh, Frost's confidence. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, every once in a while, players don't have a bad game, but if you put them in a six-on-three type of scenario, they might flourish. Right. You mm-hmm. know what they're on to do. Put right. them out and let them prove you wrong. Like, come on now. Well, and look at it. I mean, it, at any level of hockey, your game changers, the ones who can change the game on one shot or one play, right. you don't care how bad of a game they've had. Mm-hmm. If there's an opportunity to tie or win the game, you're putting them out there, and you don't care what the rest of the game looked like because you know that they can change the outcome like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what he has to do with Morgan Frost. I mean, we all agree this guy is not – a bottom six player. If he succeeds in the NHL, it is at a top six role with the potential to make some serious difference to the roster. If you're not doing that at the AHL level, he sure as shit is not going to do it in the NHL. I Especially use this, if not a chance. Right. I've used this comparison before. Five years ago, you think Barry Trotz would have benched Ovi because he had a bad game on defense if they're if right. they've got a six on three down one goal? No. Okay, all right. That that that's not even a question. No, but but here's the Dude, thing. Don't think, even, don't even compare Morgan Frost to Allison. Let me don't let yell. me clear. Yeah, dude, your wife's Calm gonna down. start beating you, and there's nothing we can do to help you. But <laughs> hear me out camera. here. In terms of player, yes. Absolutely, Ovi's better than Morgan Frost. But in terms of value to their team, Morgan Frost is one of, if not the most important offensive players to the Phantoms. Same with Ovi with the Caps. So in regards to that, that's the comparison that I'm trying to make. I would in no way, shape, or form ever try to compare the two as a player. Ovechkin is a much better player than Frost. Yeah. So let me finish my point, you dick. Good lord, you jumped down Ground, my throat. Groundbreaking news there, Derek. Wow. Thanks, Hoagie. I appreciate that. Now now my self-confidence has taken a hit. Good lord. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, is this though like let's let's look big picture here because 
we all expect Morgan Frost to be on the Flyers by the end of this season, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, d- well, especially Hody, if Hayes has continued to be out, he has to be up in the plans. Yeah. Sure. But do we expect him in a bottom six role? No. No, absolutely not. So, I mean, if it's a bottom six role, it's not going to happen. But it won't be. They they won't bring him up until they, they'll give him a shot at the top six. Yeah. Think of the hybrid position he was put in when he was called up, what, last year, two years ago, where they had him like on the first line but not taking faceoffs, even though he was the center. It was, it was a weird situation. They sheltered him a lot on that line, but regardless, yeah. he played with quality players. Yeah, but at this point in his career, are you really going to shelter him? Like, it's either he's in the lineup and playing those top minutes or he's not. Mm-hmm. Right. But I honestly don't think that that'll be very hard to accomplish with the team as long as Hayes remains hurt. I think if Morgan Frost starts to play well, right, you have to put him in the top six. Mm-hmm. Or if it just doesn't seem to be working with the rest of the centers, like that's your only option. But if you bring him up, you've got to make sure that he's in an expanded role, like in that top six. You can't do what you did right. the last time and shelter him. That's doing him a disservice because you're basically saying, right. we don't think you're good enough to you know, play a normal top six role. And that's another confidence thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like long-term outlook, you know, you think if, if this is LaPerriere and what he's going to be doing with Frost, is this going to hurt Frost more so in, in the long run? Or do you think that this is something that they're going to, I'm assuming they're going to talk about this and LaPerriere is going to make it clear what his intentions were. But like, couldn't this cause more issues than, you know, um, what the the opposite, you know, smooth sailing? <laughs> well, from what I've gathered, right, again, from, from talking to the person that I did, there is an understanding that it was because he just didn't feel like it was the right opportunity. And it seems like, and again, you know how this works, but mm-hmm. it seems like Frost understands that. Mm-hmm. That this just not was not the opportunity. Now go two, three, four more games, and this is still happening. We're talking about something completely different. But I think just for one game, one isolated game, I, I really don't think there's any much more to unpack here. Are you in line with that, Hoagie? Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, if it continues, I think Frost is going to get frustrated, and his confidence is going to continue to deplete and i i kind of worry about that because frost might i I don't know how much power he has in terms of like you know trading and whatever but he might ask hey let me let me get out of this organization so i'm kind of worried about that but the interesting thing is too like if the organization is not high on morgan frost and doesn't see him as somebody who will you know fill a roster spot long term you still want to put him in a position to highlight his talents to increase his trade value. Right. Like, sure. You know, yeah. and, and, and not, not like putting six on three. <laughs> right. Does oh. not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, if there's anything else to add to this, I mean, this is the time because yeah, really, I just feel like every point I'm making from here on out is beating a dead horse. <laughs> not right. much. Don't, don't look too much into it. It's one game. Yeah. Much like our initial conversation with the first game of the year. One game, right. not going to you know oversell this by any means. But uh, 
Yeah, I think uh, I think we're about you know forty five minutes in. I think it's time for a dad joke. Uh, Hoagie, I know you've been busy today, but uh, could you hit us with it because you missed last week? So I'm hoping for a good one. Give me, give me a second here. I'm gonna Google dad jokes. I mean, I could do that too, buddy. I got, I got <laughs> notes, John. Notes. Mm. Of course. Hoagie's always prepared. Like that's the one thing I think I've learned since we started bringing him on the show and having him as a co-host. Right. Always prepared. Scott. Scott's honor. I thought you well, just I said mean, Scott's honor right there, like Scott Walton was like liked. shocker. He is the most liked member of the Pod Street Bullies, according to him and all his family members and all their burning er- burner accounts. <laughs> what, 45 votes and 44 of them were from Hoagie, his wife, his friends, right. his family. And... You... family is on. You <laughs> voted from the Pod Street Bullies account, didn't you? No, I voted with the wife's account, though. Of course <laughs> you did. Right. That wouldn't have affected it anyway. My Eric, own mother. Not any better. There's like six... Six or seven bobs on Twitter that probably were voting too. My mom is the only <laughs> one that has a Twitter, and I'm sure she didn't even see it. And if she did, she no, probably I voted I for got you. Contacted by a sister once. Don't Not you have on a Twitter. Sister on Twitter. Not no? on Twitter. And I told no. her if she ever contacted you again, I'd cut her hands off. <laughs> I told her the same thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, hit me with the dad, dad joke, joke. God damn it! Come on. <laughs> All right. The other day, I spotted it. An albino Dalmatian. It was the least I could do for him. Good one. It's a thinker, but it's a good one. You're, no, you're saying that because you don't understand it. No, no, I get it. It's a thinker. I get it, though. Do you get it, John? No. Well, I that's don't. good because I don't want you to explain it to the get to the, well, the no, listeners. But somebody has to explain it to me because I don't get this. You spotted so John, an albino Dalmatian. Ah, there we go. The hamster wheel started turning because he didn't have any spots, and then the guy had to put spots on the Dalmatian, so he did him a big favor. I get it, and I explained it. So, Derek, two ah. segments in one: Hoagie's dad joke, John ruining Hoagie's dad joke. Lovely, a thing of beauty, only on Pod Street Bullies, folks, which is a proud affiliate with. Five-minute major, like Hoagie mentioned as well, uh, David Mastro, those fine gentlemen over there bringing you quality podcasts every week about the Flyers, and our buddies over at Flyers High and Wide, Jack, Jim, Kyle, Johnny, uh, man, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of them, and they're all fantastic. Like, <laughs> like I really et, do need to start, and what? Et al. Yes, et, et al. Et, et, um, et al. All of those fine gentlemen, like I've been alluding to. Amazing guys, amazing podcast, amazing written content as well. Um, that's it for me. So, uh, Hoagie, could you let everybody know where they're going to be able to find you on the Twitter? Yeah, you can find your favorite Pod Street Bully. I'll uh, blow it out your ass. <laughs> and Pod Street Hoags on Twitter. Uh, I'll be trying to uh, help out the, the Pod Street Bullies account on Twitter during game days. So, find me on there. Try not to send out any more shitty polls, too. <laughs> All right, John. You know, you know, I, I think the thing that was the saddest part and maybe the most eye-opening was I got the least amount of votes. <laughs> so I've realized that maybe it's just because they don't like that I'm an asshole. But I figured I'm going to just double down on it. It's your most endearing quality. Anyway. <laughs> you can find us... 
you can listen to us um on all your flyers i mean no all your podcast listening i've just flumped myself uh you can flumped? you can listen to us on word? all the beautiful podcast listening receptacles such as apple podcast spotify um John's all the other ones over his shoulder like the neighborhood watch is watching him right now <laughs> Right. Um, it's all the Flyers fangirls that are just about to show up. But yeah, no, I mean, if, you, and if you're looking for somewhere else to listen to us, just Google us. But if you do listen to us on uh, the Apple podcast or whatever the hell it's called, make sure you give us a five star review and give us a uh, review. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm done. Still I'm waiting on that now. like really negative review, but with five stars. Like, I think that would be right. pretty sweet. So uh, anybody listening that's willing to do that for us would be greatly appreciated. But uh, as far as it goes with us, you can find me on Twitter at Pod Street Bob. John's on Twitter at Pod Street Gove. You can find the Pod Street Bullies, us three, and Matt Casey, absentee Matt Casey, on Twitter at Pod ST Bullies. And uh, that about wraps it up for us. So I'll leave you as I've always left you with a Let's Go Flyers. Bye now.